Welcome to Season 6, Episode 1, Book Record Beerers. We are back after a brief hiatus for various reasons uh, that perhaps I'll detail throughout this cast in some way. But I am so excited to see friends again, uh, be it remote or otherwise. And we have a fantastic holiday cast for you today. Let me introduce my pals and compatriots here. Nick Gregorio, say hello. Oh, hi. Uh, ho, ho, ho. Mary, what have you? Love your sweater. <laughs> Fantastic. <Thank> you. <laughs> he, is, uh, he is rocking. This is the uh, Yoda one, correct? Yeah, it says, uh, well, it's, it's actually uh, Grogu. It says, Pres- presents are the way. And it has uh, the Mando helmet on the sleeves. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look, you look comfortable as hell. Oh, uh, I am. Daniel DeFranco, say hello. Oh, the doctor is in, baby. Nice. <laughs> that'll be a that'll be a nickel. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. Was that one Lucy, right? Charlie Brown. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm I mean, very tired. He didn't know before I announced what we were obviously going to be doing. And to uh, wrap up this um, this this uh, extraordinarily Italian cast, Franco Fiorini, say hello. Hey everyone. Good to be here again. As always. Yes. Yeah. As always. Hi, buddy. Hi. Our holiday <laughs> guest. Love it. Um, we at one of these. The next time we're together for this, uh, I'm gonna make us some of those Italian stripe cookies um, for the uh, for the old holiday celebration. Looking forward to it. Let's. In 2026. Let's Here we get go. Into it. <laughs> oh man. I don't even want to think about that. We have actually um, a, a very sort of unique uh, cast for a number of reasons. We have um, for you a story. It's a short story um, by one Angela Carter. Um, and this is uh, The Ghost Ships, A Christmas Story, um, which can be found in a, a posthumous collection of hers. So the, the story was published before she passed obviously um but there was a posthumous collection put out called american ghost and old world wonders uh season six we're gonna be looking at short story collections as a heads up dear listener uh so that's gonna be our our story our record today will be a charlie bound christmas by the vince Guaraldi trio did i pronounce that correctly daniel um i feel like y- i didn't y- Charlie, Charlie Brown. No, you did not pronounce that correct. <laughs> about Vince? Well, no, you said a Charlie Bound Christmas. Oh, did I? Jesus. Christ. Well, well, and that brings like, us to well, that's like yeah. that brings us to <laughs> that's our, the uh, version. Our <laughs> our beverages. We've all, you know, are still as we're remote, having a, a different set of beverages. I am uh, drinking two things. I'm sticking with tradition, and I've also invented a tradition of my own. Uh, I'm drinking the Sicilian, which is a, a, a drink of my own making. A play on the Godfather. It is espresso, amaretto, and scotch. Nice. I'm also going to be drinking the Sierra Nevada Celebration from 2020. Um, hopefully, it's just not jam-packed with COVID or something. Uh, it has been sealed. <laughs> I am uh, it's not, in, in, in it's not keeping it with tradition. I, I always I always drink the previous year's uh, Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale. So I'll be drinking the 2020. 
they age nicely and are quite delicious. Uh, gentlemen, do we have any other beverages to... Um, I see a lot of coffee drinking. It is early today. I am um, having a virgin hot toddy. Ooh, nice. So, so tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drink some tea. That's some, that's some English, a, though. English, I like that you're keeping with our, our, uh, yeah. our author. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, Earl Grey. I, too, am sticking with uh, tradition and going with my favorite, the Sly Fox Christmas yes. Ale. Um, Tastes from like Christmas. The, this is uh, the 2021 vintage. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got, oh man. That, and uh, Frank, what we got going on? A little uh, peppermint tea. So yeah. Ooh, yeah. festive. Yeah. Nice. Wonderful. Festive. festive. So, uh, gents, let's let's get into it here. So, dear listener, the reason you haven't heard us in a while is because I um wasn't have busy. had a uh, uh, yeah Charlie a, bound a, a close. <laughs> I've been Charlie bound. <laughs> With a uh, with the law, no, um, I I had a beautiful baby girl named Isabella, and I uh, was absent for various reasons that I won't get into all the grisly details. But there was a very sort of rough lead up, but then a beautiful uh, birth, and she is doing fantastic right now. So um, I'll oh, put it lovely. like this: she was a preemie, but she has put on so much weight. That if I were to be gaining at the same rate she is, I would right now be 250 pounds. I weigh 160, so yeah, I'll put we, it out we need like a that. Contest. I was going <laughs> to say, like, I weigh like 230, so like, what the hell are you saying? Yeah. Sorry, I weigh 160. <laughs> Look, you can do the math, dear listener. It's far too early and far too Sicilian in my body for, for that to happen right now. Mm. Moving forward. Uh, the story, of course, is a short one. Um, it is playing with tradition in this really fascinating way. And just to give a, uh, a little bit of a background about Angela Carter, um, she is an English author, um, and she is known for her magical realism, uh, somewhat dipping her toe into the macabre and things of that nature. Um, but she is playing with genre quite a bit, uh, which I find to be super entertaining and uh, I was really really pleased that I, I found this story because I had never heard of her before um, but she is like multiple award-winning mm -hmm. uh, always on these real short lists for like best authors of the past 50 years and things of that nature so um, I, I, I don't know I was really pleased to have to have found her um, I don't know uh, just in general what do we think of, of of her have we have we heard of her before I feel like in like a dummy, like I hadn't, but then I'm like, you know, there's so many authors, I, I should stop feeling that way. Do you guys, were you familiar with her before or no? No, not I, even a little bit. I knew her name, but I had not read her work. Um, I feel like maybe I did in college, hmm. but maybe... Always got to one-up me, don't you? No, I, I said I'm... I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jesus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to see Spider-Man uh, for the second time today. <laughs> <laughs> um no, no, but I'm really glad that, that you picked this because um, I am delighted. I'm going to get this collection and read more of her stuff. Me too. Yeah, I did order it. Um, whatchamacallit, I thought it would be up your alley, Daniel. Uh, and it's fascinating to see what she touches upon here that contrasts um, our boy uh, Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? With like 
how uh, on that cast we talked about how he's sort of like credited with this uh, enormous resurgence of mm-hmm. Christmas and and how it wasn't really celebrated as much. And I love that we get a little bit of history from her that indicates why a little right. bit. You know what I mean? Uh, which was which was very cool. Franco, were you uh, familiar with her uh, before? No, not at all. No, it's my first time. Um, so yeah, it's definitely fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. Uh, I, that that is always sort of the thing. For me, because I almost exclusively read novels, um, I've been trying to, since being in the MFA program, read more short stories, because uh, I think that makes you a better writer to like write short stories. Better writer of long fiction when you can write short fiction. Mm-hmm. Would we agree? Yeah, nay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. You got to be like, able to distill the narrative to expand it. It's exercise, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then you see these brilliant short story writers like Wells Tower and Saunders and... Um, and I would I would argue our our friend here in uh, Miss Carter. Yeah. So let me let's just keep... before we, before we jump in, I just want to clear up for Gregory that this is Angela Carter, not Agent, <laughs> not Agent Carter. Well, I don't want to be part of this show now <laughs> because like I read the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you What did you listen to one? Th- didn't you listen to a completely wrong album one time? <laughs> I forget what one it was. And like, just like you I saw your face when we started. I started cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "This is the wrong it. record. I did the wrong record." I yeah, it continue. was like um, I that was hilarious. Can't rem- but I listened to the Promise Ring. <laughs> and I was yeah. Like, yeah, who picked this? <laughs> <laughs> this is not Nick style. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So okay. So let's jump in. Let's jump into our story. I want to read. You know. Uh, the, the epigraph at the beginning, I think that sets a, a tone. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Therefore, that whosoever shall be found observing any such day as Christmas or the like, either by forbearing of labor, feasting, or any other way upon any such account aforesaid, every person so offending shall pay for every offense five shillings as a fine to the county. This is what? a statue erected by the general count court of Massachusetts, May 1659, repealed uh, a, a mere 22 years later in uh, 1681. Has this country always been run by a bunch of conservative dicks? So yes. this is the sense that we get right. uh, from, from, from the very beginning here. And it's, it's amazing, too, because, you know, one of the first things um, that I wanted to, to talk about, right, is when we look at this story and how she starts it, and gives us this sort of background information. Um, it doesn't ruin Christmas or anything, and I don't think it, it, it impacts your individual feeling of the holiday, but it does bring to mind for me this, not cherry-picking, but this mass of uh, information that we're now getting that essentially is saying everything we love, everything we know, the vast majority of it is really, really uh, either terrible in and of itself or, or, or born from some terrible thing. Um, and I was wondering what, what if, if we are finding ourselves inundated with this and like, like seeing it at every turn or, or is it just something that perhaps, I don't know, I have horse blinders on and I'm, I'm coming across it. But to start it that way, I thought was so fascinating because you have on television lifetime and all these just like christmas is the feel-good you know genre for 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 media consumption um and yet 
and and I don't know if we see it with Dickens too, but uh, we we get it started here. Um, are we finding that that's sort of happening? Uh, are we running into it? And is it is it necessary? Do we do we need it? Um, I run into it everywhere I go. I'm cognizant of it all the time because I'm constantly thinking of, <laughs> am I fucking something up here and making somebody mad, right, um, uh, or upset? But um, I, I I say that to say that I brought this up to my my therapist <laughs> um, sure. because it's a tough thing to grapple with. The things that you love have been born of pretty horrible circumstances, and he's like, "Listen, you you got to do." the things you love but be aware of where it came from and then you know and you can't you can't win them all i mean every even the metal in your phone has been mined by slaves like you can't if you if you were to try and save the world in every single thing that you do you would um be living in a field that's that is absolutely it Mm -hmm. it's like it's 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 when you get this sort of like I, i get this sort of overwhelming sense that We've gotten to a, a, a point of, I know it's not mass density, but that, 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 that idea that everything has been infiltrated yeah. in this way. And, and, and there's, there's almost uh, this overwhelming sense of despair that comes with it, yeah. um, which Christmas is strictly opposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hope is at the center of it. Um, and you think back to like, um, I, I don't know, for me, it, it all was like a stream of consciousness connection because I always think of hope. You see that with christmas time and everything like that and then you think of the campaign for barack and now you see all these people bashing obama on, online uh with the drone strikes and all this and all this kind of stuff and it is it's as if uh you know nothing's sacred but should anything be sacred i think is the ultimate point christmas is the only time of year where the catholics give up on the um punishment of themselves for a day <laughs> <laughs> right 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 um so i guess is, is, is that's that's the positive take you're saying yeah, I'm saying like Christmas has become more of a I mean, it's a cultural thing in my mind than a religious thing. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. I, I like Christmas because I like red and green. And I like uh, lights um, and mm-hmm. gaudy things. I like stupid sweaters and I like to give people presents. Yeah. Did anybody yep. see that? Um, I think it was like either a Twitter thread or maybe whatever, uh, where it was a guy who wasn't Christian was experiencing uh, Christmas. And he was like, no, all, I did not. It was like all the things that he was observing that Americans like how they celebrate Christmas. And he was like, I actually kind of like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because it, it was like it was like it's not a holiday. It's like an event. It's like a yeah. way of yes. life for, you know, like eight weeks. Yeah, And it's nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, you know, the ancient Greeks had the great Dionystra and, and, and things like that. And that went on for a month and it was a celebration of this certain stuff. Um and I don't know, I, I find it to be, it was my favorite thing. I mean, Daniel, you know, one of the first stories I wrote was The Boy Who Loved Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was pretty morbid and dark, but it also had this, like, you know, very, very deep connection to what it, what it feels like to, to, to immerse yourself in, in that. Um, I'm proud of so, you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm proud of you for still calling it a story after all this time. <laughs> You're really hanging on to that. <laughs> what would you call it? Oh my God! Actually, I don't know. Like um, an exercise? Uh, page. Excrement? I don't know. It's coming in hot. Jeez. Woo! No, deserved. This is why I send them my stories. It's, it's Merry them. Christmas, motherfucker! Yeah. Would you call yourself um, a writer? I mean, 
I, it's nice to hear you still I? using that term, Nick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You gotta be torn down to get Bill back up. Yep. Um, Franco, what, any thoughts on on uh, on this at all before we dive into the story proper? About the the, the Christmas season and it's a. Uh... <laughs> It's problematic nature, and or everything, everything <laughs> being problematic. Like, can everything? Are we? Are we in that? Uh, I was just struck American by. <laughs> I was just struck by Gregoria's comment about it's like the one time of the year where Catholics aren't like beating themselves up or whatever. And I was like, I don't remember Catholics ever beating themselves up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh nothing man. but guilt and and, and punishing oh, yourself shame. for thinking. Well, thing. uh, yeah, but then like. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I grew up Catholic. I grew up an altar boy and, and that all that stuff. That was my experience. It was just like, hey. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. I hear hey, it. Hey, why, why did Jesus die on the cross? Because you touch yourself at night. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like uh, Franco's <laughs> repressed. These, these things haven't bubbled to the surface yet. <laughs> no, it sounds like I had a different Catholic life as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh... I certainly had one that aligns with the Gregorio's uh, sense of. Uh, I mean, my like Catholicism for my, sure. The priest who was like in charge of like our school was a cokehead who was like busted in North Philly for like for dealing coke, buying coke. No, so, you know, like, you know, different funny? type of thing. Our uh, the the president of my school, who was the priest running running Wood, was uh, Joey Merlino's cousin. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Oh, nice skinny, skinny yeah. Joey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see nothing. Um, I'm not talking I about nothing. nothing. <laughs> you come into his office, he'd pull off the little white thing. Yeah. <laughs> put his legs up on the desk. Nick, let's talk. Um, let's, all right, I let's, don't want to talk to you. Let's, let's jump into it. Um, forget it. Even if the white moon above Boston Bay ensures that all is calm, all is bright, there will be no Christmas as such in the village on the shore that now lies locked in a precarious winter dream. Don't even fucking think about it don't even think about it um so overall when we're getting into when we're getting into the story i i love that she's sort of immediately taking to task uh colonialism Mm -hmm. right and then we get into this idea of essentially foundations right and 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 how to start you have to get rid of what already exists and so she's sort of uniquely uh uh combining this 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 these two things right when we look at colonialism it typically starts with missionaries right they yeah, they, they pull in little, i think we need a little background here on the story um, okay right go for it go for it yes yeah. so there's three ships that are sailing towards the new land and we're in like the 1600s mm-hmm. right so just so absolutely yeah i think that's kind of important for our listener to know what the fuck we're talking about absolutely right. apologies yeah, yeah so uh i'm rusty i'm they're, rusty they're all they're they're puritans and they're saying no more no more celebrations no more pagan traditions we are yes. just um i think it's in it's in here they say that uh for them all days are holy but none are holidays so christmas is nice. like just any other day don't you even think think about hanging a fucking fig leaf or a piece of garland <laughs> with your pagan excess yeah he, like they're scrooges really absolutely that's it yeah absolutely so fantastic another foundation for okay us. yes all right so these three ships are coming and they're laden with um uh christmas traditions i guess to say yes right? Okay, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry. As one as, could one as, one could argue that they are uh, sort of like the um, 
representation of of yeah. X and Y and Z traditions. Yeah. Okay. That's where her metaphor comes in. Yeah. As you were. <laughs> so uh, when we're getting when we're getting this 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 sort of uh, introduction to this land and and, and what's going on, um, I found it fascinating that she's really subversively touching on colonialism imperialism in this in this really big way and how religion was used as a vehicle to do it um and and that that immediately strikes me because she's talking about like the uh pure white snow and how the intentions of the people and 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 the entire uh process is in is in no way white nor is it pure um in in this way and then she's combining the removal of these traditions in the uh, the religion to also the removal of uh, the people whose land it is to begin with, right? Um, did anybody, I don't know, find that this was something that I felt like she touches on in the beginning and that was kind of enough for me. I didn't really want her to, 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 to take it through the entire thing and I don't think she, she did. So I thought for me that was a really, I don't know, I found it to be profound because often when I see stuff like that, it feels like, you can't just leave that in the first couple paragraphs and it'll work. And for some reason here, it really, it really does. Um, where her intro is like, this is, this is how it works. Uh, this is how they did it. This is how they do it. And, um, and that's all. And, and, and then she moves on to her story, uh, in, in its myth sort of like, uh, format. I don't know. Did it, did anybody else, uh, consider think about that at all, or was it just something that I kind of got stuck on? I don't. I don't think I followed your thread. So my thread was that she doesn't really keep the the comparison going throughout the entire story of like the um, colonialist link, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Um, it really does then get focused on uh, and zooms in more on on, on the Puritans and then uh, just removing this this pagan tradition and 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 what what that looks like and entails um and often i find if you're ta tackling something as large as that the sort of analogy or comparison needs to kind of be a thread that goes throughout the story and she mm -hmm. kind of leaves it in those first few paragraphs and that to me felt like enough and i was just surprised by that i don't often see such a big thing being handled so well so uh uh, uh concisely yeah, so what what I took from that is that they were um it's just a bunch of dicks that just came. <laughs> right. Not in like the per, not in a perverted way. Like the Puritans were just a right. bunch of um uh, it's like old England is the dirty linen their brethren their brethren at home have just washed in public. Right? Even in England yeah. there's there's this 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 shift. And even though they just won the Civil War, they're still like, oh, no, Ugh, we can't have anything to do with with the yeah. old ways. Um, so right. that, that's kind of what I took from that is they just show up like just as dickheads to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. She really does zoom in on that. I guess I was I was focused on this this early paragraph where it's like um, we were talking about a long time ago, about mm -hmm. three and a quarter hundred years ago. The newcomers had no more than scribbled their signatures on the blank page of the continent that mm -hmm. was, as it lay under the snow, no whiter, nor more pure than their intentions. Mm -hmm. And she just crushes colonialism, 
and, and the way that they do it in, in just such a huge way. And that's why I guess I was saying, I, I don't know if I was reading into it more with the link to the, the, um, uh, the, um, missionaries and things like that, that often are the, the first ones to go to a new land, convert the people, and then they get taken over once they've bought into the religion. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't um, I mean, I think that's there. She doesn't like lean into it super heavy, but, but she says exactly, it. yeah. it's, it's in the front and that's, and it seems like enough. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised. I was just amazed that she was able to do that much in that one paragraph. She's Franco, good. I thought you, you had something. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I had trouble with that passage that you just um, cited, Nick, about, you know, the um, where she she says, you know, about three uh, three and a quarter hundred years ago, the newcomers had no more than scribbled their signatures on the blank page of the continent it was as it lay under snow. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, whether she was trying to capture their perspective on the continent or whether... Hmm. that was a description um i I don't know because uh, when we talk about the blank page of the continent that was like uh that's incredibly offensive in terms of (laughs) indigenous peoples right and so i'm I'm just wondering like you know was she is is that from the perspective of the puritans you know that's what i read it as yeah okay yeah it's like to them it was a blank page Yes, what? and but then she flips it at the end of that. She sentence. says, "No whiter nor purer than their intentions." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so the the continent actually wasn't uh, a blank yeah. page yeah. in that way. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm kind of saying is like um, that that impressed me just to be able to flip like that and get it all there. But you're right, it, I, like a first glance and stuff like that, it, you're like, whoa. So this, this is not a blank page this, whatsoever. This, this is tens of thousands of years of history and tradition of a particular peoples that have been here. Do you know when the story was published? Because she died pretty young. She died in like 91 or 2, I think. She died in 94 or okay. 92. She yeah. died in 92. Um, and this story was originally published. Like I 70s. did have it. Uh, I don't think so, actually. Um, you know I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, okay. but I can definitely find it. But yeah. it's before 90, it was before 92. So Correct. we're looking at this, um, and I think we're way more sensitive than a general reading public would have been, um, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, Jesus Christ. No, 30 years ago. Ooh, close call. I just almost aged all of us 10 years. <laughs> yeah, and to, and to wit, uh, fuck you. I just, I just I did the math, and I was like, I'm not that old. Whew, okay, 30 years ago. <laughs> um, we, we, for, for lack of a, a better word, it's a word I kind of hate. Um, I think we're, we're looking at this with a certain level of wokeness of, yes. of realizing that, that, that there is an erasure of, as Franco said, of indigenous peoples. And um, it's certainly something that I'm trying to be better with in my own life, uh, recognizing with just, you know, just like language that we use. Um, uh I wonder if 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 she just had to just it's a little sneaky dig because people maybe weren't as hip to uh I don't know the general reading public maybe would have been like hey I'm just here for some stories I don't need your sure. your uh your PC uh whatever I don't know you know what I'm saying right You're trying I to do, cancel yeah. Christmas well, that's why I started. That's why I started with with what I did, right? Because th- that's that's something that is so so present now. And when I think back about what was uh, just you know 
common language in the 90s as a kid and, and stuff like that and, and even in the early 2000s stuff like things have changed so drastically in such a, 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 mm-hmm. a small number of years yeah. um, that when when we look back at some of these things um, I think she's doing something that is actually something that people are really uh, trying yeah. to do now quite a bit yeah we're, we're in tune more to uh this 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 the social um i don't know i guess commentary or activism taking to task yeah and taking to task these these various institutions and people and and what have you um you know and it it borders on getting into discussions about you know cancel culture and extremes of this sort of thing but what she's doing i think is is looking at this whole group of dicks as you put it and uh and and sort of taking them uh to task and i think it's unique well, perhaps she has a little bit of a higher stake as, um, or maybe maybe not. Maybe it's the opposite as as an English writer. You know. You know? So I I also want to say that if she really wanted to press that button, she would have more. I'm wondering if it's just a little. I'm not going to call it an afterthought, but it's just a little. Oh, and also that. But let me, <laughs> sure. but let me but let me move along because we always do that in our own yeah. writing and just in life. We're like. Uh, you know, don't don't even get me started on that thing. Correct. Yeah. Even though that's not what the uh, topic on hand was. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, so. and, and like you're saying, perhaps I, I I like really clued into it because because like, of your right lens. Now we're, yeah, we're more your our lens has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Mihalik, for you know, in terms of your reading of this uh, or the colonialism, you know, kind of uh, that. You feel like she establishes at the beginning of the um, the piece. You said like you didn't feel like she carried that thread. I, I mean, I, I wonder if she did because I mean, if the, if these ghost ships right are uh, then analogs for the import for importing, I guess British ideals in some way into this new land. I mean, um, you know, at the end, the kids end up with those little raisins in their their shoes, yeah. right? So it's like yeah, the, yeah. the persistence of that imported culture is there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the pure and true. So I don't know. I mean, I think that the thread might be carried through in the story a little bit. Um, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, there, there is kind of a, a duality there as well, because what the ships are bringing are actually something far older than even right. the uh, imperialist and, and colonial mentality of, of, of the Brits. It's, it's actually this pagan sort of tradition that, that is, is speaking to a universality that I think we could argue the natives share as well. You know, um, w- w- with this idea of uh, especially connecting to nature and, and sort of like celebrating harvests and, and solstices and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So, um, yeah, but that's a, that's a great point because there really could be that um, ambiguity there a little bit because they're coming in on ships, of mm-hmm. course. And, and this is uh, a, a British uh, traditional tale as well that she's uh, reimagining in this way. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that's that's a great point. Absolutely. Um, so what did we think about the use of, um, I don't want to say children as targets or children as the, the uh, redeemers for the group, you know what I mean? But, but the, the fact that, it, that as Christmas does, um, it, it is focused on, on them as, and I don't even want to use the word saviors, I'm actually struggling to find the right word here but that they are sort of um, the ones where the seed is planted to carry this other thing on that the adults are, are really strongly opposed to. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought a lot about my teaching of the Crucible, uh, you know, and reading this, you know, because as Nick knows, we that's something that we taught a long time. Yeah, where where he's currently teaching, I I, I did a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you still do. Do you guys still do the Crucible with folks there? Nick? Yeah, uh, Eric's doing it right now. Oh, nice. You know, we yeah. taught. Oh no, he's not. He- he, he's gonna do it sorry no, yeah i mean whatever but you know like for a number of years it, it taught that play taught miller um i mean you know the the uh the um you know uh, we talked a lot about puritanism and what the norms were mm-hmm. you know around uh that religious practice and its social pra- you know as a as a all-encompassing social you know movement too um yeah but i was just you know I mean, the story of the Crucible is a story of, of youth rebelling, you know what I mean? And that, uh, you know, that's, that's who's going to bring in that counterculture, right? So I, I think mm-hmm. it, it just reminded me a little bit of that. Um, I thought there was, a, you know, a little connection there. Absolutely. How did the kids, uh, and so you're talking about teaching it, what, close to uh, seven, eight years ago now? Yeah. Wow. It's been that long. Was, yeah. was, there, was there the same sort of reaction then as you would you know sort of expect now oh i mean i don't know um i would say uh, i think that the more of the reaction around the culture of the, of the the you know puritans was um that but you know the <laughs> the image that we have of the uh first you know your new settlers in new england is not i think you know um uh, marketed to us as being just as like problematic and restrictive and, and <laughs> heavily theocratic and and you know uh racist as as it you know was um and so that's always what was shocking, I think, to which was surprising, I guess, uh, to 11th graders at the time. Um, now, I would imagine I have no frame of reference now, but I would imagine it'd be a lot less shocking to, to many of them, uh, given, you know, the last decade and, and the conversations that have opened up, I think, probably a lot more around that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when uh, we do uh, things fall apart in 12th grade, there's that's some conversation cool. back to. Was that it? I said that book rules. Things yeah, fall. Things fall apart. It's great. <laughs> it's so goddamn good. Yeah, I'm teaching it right now. I read that freshman year of high school. Oh wow, that's great. We don't yeah, do it till it, till senior year. Yeah. It was man. I still think about that book. Anyway, go ahead. So what's interesting is obviously we have uh, a real strict patriarchal society in that in that text, um, and it's kind of easy to put yourself in the New England Puritan sort of setting with that book because of course we have this village this group that is uh uh, getting the missionaries and then of course the the colonists to come in um and so you can kind of like see the parallel there and what comes up a lot in the conversation i have with the seniors is this comparison back to um the crucible and, and and through a feminist lens there's there's tons of of really strong uh, thoughts and opinions on how the women are treated in, in, in each of these. And inevitably, we start talking about that movie, The Witch, uh, with a double V. Yeah. The Vitch. The Vitch. Um, yeah, <laughs> which, is, which, is, which, is, which I love because I, I think that those three get entangled really nicely. Um, but that's the thing that I, I've, I've seen quite a bit is, um, is that kind of focus uh, start, to, start to show up. And, and those conversations kind of always end up over um, uh, in that way. But here we, of course, have our have our our children 
uh, as our, I guess you could say we're left with the idea that they might be um, our saviors. Um, how do we think about... Well, isn't that how, like, we sort of, or I don't know if we is the word, but, you know, a lot of people see progeny as, like, the thing you can you can be better, you will be better than I. I, yes. I will give you everything that I have so you can be better than I. Um, that's a great point, yeah. So I think that's sort of that sort of savior complex that we're putting on mm-hmm. the kids in this story is, is still very much a thing. Yeah. Um, it's like you have a second chance. It's like you're... You have a hope. Whole another go round. You really, yeah. you really nesting over there, Gregoria. You really. Uh... <laughs> I've been, I've been thinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, it, it really is, though. So, so present, especially when we bring it back to that central idea of hope. You know, that that really is the the hope for lives people. And interestingly, the Puritans really think that they're doing right by these children by removing these things, when yeah. in fact they're so far fucking off. Um, that it that it's it's so damaging. Uh, I find that whole unhealthy. thing fancy, it's like fascinating. That idea of, of restriction, of yeah. like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna save you by not letting you do the thing that you're definitely gonna do because I <laughs> don't because I'm telling you not to. I'm like, well, you guys crazy, dude. It's <laughs> it's um uh it's really really interesting when you look at like child psychology too. You know there is that um uh one child psychologist who argues for the idea of like the true the true versus the false self and essentially his theory is that you need to be allowed time in your first like four years or so five years of life to engage with whatever whim whatever thing you are moved to do that could be biting hitting scratching screaming whatever it might be you need to be allowed to do those things so that you can wear the mask of the false self when it's time to go to school and engage in society in a different way. And because you've been given the time to be the true version of yourself, to engage with those, with those things and be unrestricted, where you're not you know, uh, um, told to be quiet or, or, or calm down or do whatever um, because you have to attend to a parent's needs or a younger sibling's needs, then you are, I think it's Winnicott, I think that's the, the philosopher psychologist, um, you are then, when you enter society, able to healthily uh, or in a healthy manner put on a false self or a mask and you won't find yourself in, um, you know, the principal's loads office. and loads of, well, yeah, or even <laughs> just like what, what happens is, is uh, a lot of times he found that he needed to make that space for his adult um, clients and, and so that they could in, in scream at him, engage in, in like really sort of like almost abusive behavior to find their, their to be unrestricted and then be able to to, to experience that um, because they never got to as a child. And that sort of is like this uh, really, really interesting thing where it's like the Puritans are doing the exact opposite. Right. They are restricting them so, 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 so much where these children don't actually get to even have a sense of what their true selves are because their entire existence depends on rule following and obedience, um, which is, you know, I don't know, kind of uh, kind of fascinating to look at how different a person will grow up and like how that sort of, I guess, in American culture really uh, uh, not necessarily demonized, but really um, seen as as extreme. You know, we, we, it's always related to it. When you see it in, in, in film, television stories, like some crazy hippie, like Mr. Fantastic, 
that movie that came out uh, with um, Vigo. Vigo, right, where he, they live in the woods and, and they're essentially engaging in exactly this behavior that I'm describing. And their kids, his kids are great, you know. It's a little dangerous, his behavior. But the, his, his kids really know themselves. They're, they're healthy. They're, they're well-rounded. Uh, and then you look at, like, a traditional person and, and, and all their uh, insecurities and anxieties and all these things that could presumably stem from this not having been able to engage with their true and authentic self before entering society proper. Are you yeah. explaining why America is so fucked? I've done it. I fixed it. I, I found just, it. I got to the core. Yeah. That's what the, <laughs> that's what the story is really about. <laughs> that's what the story. Well, yeah, it's tough. I think I, I'm, you know, of course, in a similar boat uh, of, of thinking about these things. Um, and if kids are the heroes in the future and all of this stuff, mm-hmm. look how look how much the Puritans messed it up. You know, and I think in a big way, that's also her point here. And, yeah. you know, we can't sort of miss that she's she's really taking them to task. So um, a, a literal question at the end of the story, the last paragraph, they the, the children wake up on Christmas morning and mm-hmm. there's a little raisin size of your thumb in their <laughs> shoes. Like that's the <laughs> that's their present. Plump right? as if it had been soaked uh, in brandy. Mm, delicious. Um, <laughs> who put that there? Somebody. I know I'm I'm reading into it as, as very literal, but I'm asking. A little bit. No, but but that's the question. <laughs> yeah. It's the story of Jesus. Yeah. Perhaps. It... Is it magic? Is I she... think it's the Lord of Misrule chucked it. Like it was the only thing that yeah. made it. Um, I think he was able to sneak it in there, like uh, like Luke, and that one. Uh, you know, what is it? Proton Shoot. bomb. Yeah. Breaching the breaching the the Death Star. You know, I think it, I think that's what happened. He just got. Those those raisins, the Lord of Misrule's arm gives a solid fastball. I was going for I was going for Luke the Evangelist. Had the force. <laughs> <laughs> You've been programmed, sir. You know what? You know what is pretty neat about this whole thing? It's like Christmas is some sort of subversive ideal in this story, it whereas is, like yeah. now it's just been co-opted by conservative numpties and lunatics and they're just trying to be like keep crashing christmas like what the fuck are you talking about yeah if you were if you were to do that then you would be making far more uh laws and and voting for people who are looking for more socially responsible uh things right like if you were actually following your your uh, supposed lord and savior well progressive shit always gets co-opted by the conservatives because they're always like 20 years behind what people actually think or maybe 50 years and they're just trying to glom on to things that people like so when the future hits they're like hey we've been here all along (laughs) well you know i mean like we know where uh the dating of christ's birth as the 25th comes from it's it's uh you know uh linked to the roman god mithras who was you know, worshipped as a, a in a cult following in uh, you know in, by the, the Roman soldiers, and the easiest way to spread Christianity was to align with uh, with his uh, day of celebration. You know, so uh, right, um, yeah. We well, yeah. Speaking of your your gospel that. writers, they were all they were all uh, manipulating the story to to have certain groups convert. Yeah, yeah it was right? all di- the story of Dionysus. It's I mean, it's it's fucking Easter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's many, there's many. Um, and with regard to this, I don't know. I, I, I like that you bring that up. Like, how did how did they get it in? And what's interesting is like, eventually, like we're here now, right? So those kids did change. They 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 did. Like the hope is real, and I I like that she sort of leaves it. You know, she it's implicit, 
But because we're here and because she's telling this story, then it is real because she is telling the story, right? And she wouldn't be able to if that wasn't changing. We wouldn't be able to identify with it and, and, and agree if um, those kids who got the brandy-soaked raisins didn't go, wait a minute. And of course, as if they've been soaked in brandy, another thing that I think is just so clever and subversive because Puritans were obviously opposed to, uh, to that practice. Um, and yet, Bunch you know, of the, fucking nerds, <laughs> this, this imbibing, <laughs> you know, is, is, is a really, is a really big thing. Uh, fun fact though, the, the native Americans are the, I think only culture, um, that did not engage with fermented drink. And that's why they're so susceptible to alcoholism because it's not they, they have no, uh, you know, preordained tolerance to it. Oh, I'm not saying I have a healthy relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to mess with your, your comment, but um, that's just. I always find that. I always find that interesting um, because you know, uh, uh, you know, leaves of the earth instead, leaves of the earth instead. Um, I don't know that that I have anything else to say other than what we thought about our Lord of Misrule. Yeah, I saw that naming was great. Yeah, I love that name, Lord of Misrule, but uh, it just made me think of Loki, which is pretty great. Yeah, well, chaos, right? Like the the essential human element. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I what I really took from this story is a couple things from a writing point of view. I love her um, how easy she just plays with um like magical realism um <clears throat> while telling like a pretty straightforward story uh, i just love that just like stuff happens this second boat right. she's calling it a boat but she's actually well it was it was but it was a pie crust <laughs> and it's like yeah. ah I, and I, I just love how it just you just have to um you just have to own just just fucking just have some in. confidence just have some confidence yep. and just Let say that yeah Yep. So I really yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. from a writing perspective, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's so I'm, yeah. like, really excited to read more of her work. Yeah, because the magical realism, you, 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 you need to have that confidence mm-hmm. for your audience to just go with you on it. You're yeah. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she absolutely has that, too. It's, it's, it's uh, no joke whatsoever. Which is, which is remarkable, considering she started the, uh, the text with, with, with a little snippet of... of a 400 year old uh statute you know which is yeah. the uh, it could that language could not be any further from how right. she's writing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's so. true that's a clever move yeah so that that's but also that that knocks that goes along with with just writing in general and not just magical realism you know what i mean it's like the yeah that's there is a confidence that that is required just for somebody just to believe in a thing that you're doing mm-hmm. right off the bat, as opposed to like trying to convince them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's always nice to see when someone does it well. Yes. Yeah. 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 So Franco, do you have any uh, uh, final thoughts on this or thoughts on the story? Uh, yeah. I would just say that I really appreciated, um, I guess just like the, um, the imagery that, you know, she managed to, she managed to convey, um, I don't know what the right way to talk about oh this boy. is, but like, you know, as an English teacher, you talk a lot about the use of like sensory imagery and things like that. And I think it becomes a, a lot contrived and trying to, you know, kind of analyze for that in a 
secondary classroom or something like that. But um, I just like I, f- I felt really um, connected to like for instance the the second ship the pie right and like the uh, you know the um, the way that she describes the glistening how it's glistening with butter and gilded with egg yolk and all that kind of stuff like I could almost feel in my I could almost feel in my stomach the uh, the aftermath of a Christmas <laughs> you know like holiday dinner like it just it was very effective. It was very plums. effective. I thought she did a really beautiful job in terms of her prose um, and the way that she just conveyed that imagery. I was just thinking about, like, I don't know, like, Sailing the Seas of Cheese, the Primus album or something. Like, you know, just, like, having that kind of, like, <laughs> that visual imagery of just being in this, like, weird food swill of, like, uh, water and whatnot. So I thought I thought she did, that, that was really, really beautifully done. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't know how the ghost ships were going to find their way in, uh, ultimately, it, it, initially, rather. And then um, to see how that, that came together. And I just love the blending of what is clearly like a known story, a myth of some kind, with this reimagining that doesn't feel forced, contrived. Like, it doesn't feel like it, it had any... I think ultimately that's what I was trying to say in the beginning, too. It didn't feel like it had a particularly you know, purposeful aim other than to tell this story as she saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't get that sense. You know, when somebody writes a story and you're like, they're definitely trying to rally me around this thought or, or, or move me to, to this, to agree with them in this way the, the there didn't feel to be overt rhetoric so much as a telling of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my big thing. And that spoke to the writing as well. It's um, like, it was like I, a Christmas really tale. It was a Christmas yeah. tale. She did. She hit the uh, tone really well. She had ghosts. She had hope. Uh-huh. Right. She had all this stuff that's that's necessary. Totally. <coughs> yeah. Well, um, I've got a little present for you by way of a final comment to round out this segment. I know that okay. uh, Nicholas Mahalik, you've been uh, weary with being a new a new papa twice. Oh so, yeah. Um, so you're forgiven for forgetting this. If I Jesus. were to introduce oh. my castmates. <laughs> Thank you, sir. As pagan traditions. Yes. That's where we're going with. <laughs> Nicholas Mahalik, our fearless leader. I would introduce you as Saturnalia uh, because of, of the Bacchanalia. You're a wild man. Maybe not so much anymore. Well, no, you're still a wild man. You just do it. You just <laughs> no, don't sleep anymore. <laughs> not the past few weeks, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I take my life in my hands when I drive to school, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, like he's not a wild man as he's having his uh, uh, Sicilian at you know 7:30 a.m. <laughs> yes, uh, Nicholas Gregorio, you would be. Oh, so Saturnalia was the p- pagan tradition that we now celebrate as Christmas. Um, Nick, Perilli or Gregorio, you would be. What? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you would be Feralia, which is. Uh, Halloween. Be- oh, me. Because you like, you like costumes. I do like yes. costumes. Yeah. Very much. And Nicholas, or Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> go, guys, He's I'm not. Really blowing it. I'm not well right now. <laughs> <laughs> Franco Fiorini, you would be the Bafana, which is an Italian, uh, it was an Italian lady mm-hmm. who pointed <laughs> The, the three kings, the magi in the right Yeah, direction. she was the old crone. And I, and I, yeah. yeah, and I picked that because of your cronish features. <laughs> exactly. And 
how every winter when you join us for our Christmas cast, you often steer us. You always, you often point us. Yeah, not so much this year. I don't think I've nice. done a very good job at that, but, but Not thank so much you. this year. I realized as you were shitting the bed every time you talked, I was like, this is not. <laughs> for real. Listen. For real. Listen, five out of six ain't bad, all right? <laughs> it's true. Good, good point. Oh, man. Oh, and, uh, okay, so, well. Wow. Oh, man, a, um, a pagan. I, I feel like I'm going to – I have to introduce you then, Daniel, on the spot here as um, – Not so easy, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, in Siberia, however, there is the original uh, – who many regard as the original sort of uh, concept of Santa Claus in their early shamans. And what they would do is they would uh, either – in by or they would eat the uh, white spotted red mushroom themselves, or they would drink the piss of the reindeer who had eaten it, uh, and then they would trip trip face right. And the piss is actually more concentrated um, because all the other things have been <laughs> sort of like taken out. But in any case, they would uh, then because it was so densely snow packed. Uh, go to people's huts and go down their chimneys uh, to sit with them during the solstice and before the new year and uh, have conversations with them about the previous year, what they did well, what they felt were pitfalls, and then how they can be, how they can be uh, uh, you know, setting themselves up for success in the new year. So the gift uh, that Santa would, would bring or this original shaman Santa would bring was often a uh, a bit of knowledge uh, while while getting in touch with that other plane of existence uh, via hallucinogenics. I'm for so it. you'd be the you'd I'm be those guys. Well, you think the first time he's like, oh, I just fell down your chimney. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do this every <laughs> this, year. This, this is incredible. This, this totally is reframes. This, this totally reframes Super Mario Brothers for me. You know, eating eating the white spot of <laughs> mushrooms and yeah. jumping down a pipe. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, it is i mean uh, across the entire asian continent like that mushroom is is connected with so much uh super mario not being the least of which um so yeah in any case you'd be you'd be that guy um all right shall we move on to the uh it's the a me i'm a fried <laughs> <laughs> yes let's, let's, do to the gills. let's move on let's do this in uh in record timing Get it? Because we're talking about a record. All right. All right. I'll see, so, myself. Uh, see myself out. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> so for our album, I uh, chose a Christmas, a Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown Christmas. Out by now, the brown cow. Vince uh, Garaldi Trio. And originally it was just Vince who, who, who put this all together. So, um, so this was a very interesting for... Uh, a few reasons um, production that was put together uh, because as we know Vince or maybe we don't know Vince was asked to do a documentary once Charlie Brown and Schultz got really really popular once this this the strip was was super popular in the 60s there he was asked to do the soundtrack for this documentary um, about Charlie Brown and Schultz uh, and then of course uh, that doesn't air. Nobody picks it up. 
And a few years later, um, he's asked once again to do the soundtrack for A Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, does anybody know uh, who sponsored that? Who produced A Charlie Brown Christmas? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. And the thing that blows my students' minds in the AP language class when we're looking at marketing and stuff like that is that Santa, as we see Santa or, or would know the character of Santa Claus, uh, his traditional garb is more of brown and green. He's a forester, right? Uh, hence the shaman uh, that I'm speaking about in, in the Siberian uh, you know, space as well. Coca-Cola's colors are white and red. And they literally change Santa mm -hmm. to be a sponsor or a mascot for them. And so now when we associate uh, or when we think of associations with Christmas and with Santa Claus, uh, Coca-Cola is right up there because they have uh, programmed us to think so. Coca-Cola also has pretty much dominated things that are very nostalgic and are major associations with Christmas because they also have peanuts. They have Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. They paid for it. Uh, we we associate Charlie Brown with Christmas because of Coca-Cola. I hate I wonder, the company of Coca-Cola. Well, <laughs> let me tell you something, Daniel. I think Coca-Cola is a nice, frosty, refreshing beverage. Which, <laughs> um, you have a, you know, brings back good feelings of years past. Coca-Cola, <laughs> if you're listening, we could we could use a sponsor. We could use you, at least on the <laughs> Christmas cast. <laughs> Once a year, we get some massive Coca-Cola paycheck. <laughs> Sell our souls. Um, yeah, but I find that to be fucking wild. That Coke, I mean, I get, you got to tip their hat to, your hat to them a little bit. Like, they saw, just like Dickens, right? Mm -hmm. He saw there was this sort of, like, space that they could, he could, he could just, you know, make a mint on people's nostalgia and, and yeah. this idea of goodwill and, and, and humanity and unity and stuff like that. And God damn, if it doesn't like just embody <laughs> the human experience in a way, like somebody's going to exploit it. Uh, but is it all bad because they did, you that know, uh, album's really great. And anything that so gets good. the lay person listening to some smooth West coast jazz is, uh, <laughs> actually that's like my least favorite type of jazz. Well, I don't know. I'm sure there's probably some other stuff I don't like, but that, <laughs> I could say that's a safe I bet. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about like some avant-garde jazz. I'm like, I don't ever want to listen to that. But, <laughs> um, but there is uh, something that is. They recorded this in March in 1964 or five. Big five, yeah. Um, well. Some of the stuff was recorded a few years earlier, as you had mentioned, for like a special that didn't air. Right. And then yep. they he went back and they recorded some stuff um, in like in March. So like well after the Christmas season. Um, and uh, I, what I love about the album is that how we now equate songs like Fur Elise by Beethoven. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like the Linus and Lucy theme song, which is for yep. all purposes, that is a. Uh, like a non-religious text you know but yeah we associate that with with uh with christmas um absolutely so anyway um my to, to my original point i love anything that brings an art form that is um you know wholly american uh and that's that's kind of fading and dying back into into the forefront 
Yeah. In this case, like Absolutely. jazz and like this particular type of jazz. So. Yeah, it's 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 funny too because, um, when we're when we're checking this out, this comes while there is sort of a a, I guess resurgence at least from the twenties. Uh, of jazz, right? Because you have Bossa Nova showing up around mm-hmm. this time in the '60s and stuff like that. And even there's a Bossa Nova. He's he's, he's doing a Bossa Nova drum beat on, on Little Drummer um, Boy or drummer no boy? on uh, Linus and Lucy. Oh yeah 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 yeah. But I think also and, on Drummer Boy. And too, and, I think. and the one that comes before the little, I think the one that comes before is the Little Drummer Boy. Yeah 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 it is okay. absolutely yeah. yeah. So on on uh, Little Drummer Boy especially there's that this sort of like Bossa Nova s thing. Um, you're right. And so that's that's really cool because. I don't know if they were biting on that popularity. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that's why this happens. But because it's so, it, it's association with uh, Peanuts, you have this staying power, right? Like not everybody's going to know that Bossa Nova was huge then, and that's why we have it. They're going to know that I like this yeah. um, because it exists. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, do, do I imagine we all enjoy this album. Is that correct? It's I don't know how you can't. It's my favorite like, it, Christmas it's album. Just, it's yeah. just it is. really a wonderful, warm thing to do. <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? I, uh, I recently <laughs> picked up a Bluetooth, um, whatchamacallit, uh, um, transmitter for my record player. Mm-hmm. So it can connect to anything now that's that's bluetooth so i can send the analog signal to anything so i uh i've been i've been playing it incessantly um and it is just it's just so so goddamn good um yeah christmas time is here is is gotta be in one of my top 20 just favorite things to listen to mm-hmm. fun fact like yeah. I'll, I'll i'll never shut it off you know if it ever comes on yep even if it's not Christmas time, yeah. Oh yeah, even this, even the one with the kids singing, I'll leave it on. I prefer the instrumental. Yeah, sure. yeah. I was listening to, uh, I listened to a lot of WRTI. I was listening to them the other day, and they, they played Christmas time is here, the instrumental version. Braggadocious. And um, <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, for and for folks who don't know, WRTI is like WRTI is like our local uh, NPR classical station, um, and uh, and jazz. And so uh, they were talking about the fact that, uh, you know, Christmas Time is Here dropped, obviously, in 65, and, and it actually got very little play by anybody um, for, like, 20 years or something, like the 70s, like, no one picked it up, and, and now it's become, like, covered by so many different artists and things, because usually, you know, those standards, that if it becomes a standard, it gets picked up, and everyone else is covering it here and there, doing all kinds of different renditions, um, and, but it was, it was, uh, I think it wasn't until the eighties, they said maybe 80 or 81 when, um, when it became as, you know, considered a Christmas standard, I guess. And now it's just like, you know, you can't go a holiday season without hearing it in some form or another. Um, so kind of, kind of cool. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because it might be something similar because when we, you know, in the eighties, when we were all, um, kids, I was uh, there was this there was this was look like back. 50, I was like 23 then. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was this. But there was all there were all these movies and all this stuff where there was a lot of nostalgia for the 50s and the 80s. Yeah. Right. Just as there's nostalgia now for the 90s in the 2020 yeah. uh, 2020s or whatever. However, we're fucking calling this. Um, and so it, it's interesting because I know um, it's a wonderful life, for instance, was like a B movie that nobody really saw when it came out nobody cared about and then i think cbs picked it up for a pittance 
to play during the holidays because they needed something to fill time and they were like uh some genius let's was get like, this dumb movie let's get Stupid this thing. Because, but they got it because it was it cost them yeah. nothing mm-hmm. right yeah. it was just and and they, and then it becomes a wonderful it's a wonderful life right this you know classic that we all we all know and to say you know that around the 80s maybe we have this deep nostalgia for it because i don't know you i know, think it was the boomers what was on the radio I think like you know my mom my mom was yeah. born in 47 right i was born in 81 and uh yeah, my mom would have been like nostalgic for her childhood, probably. And I'm sure all the people were running the show at all those networks at that point were all boomers, and uh, were looking back to their you know Christmas story esque fifties uh, you know like uh, childhood. I fucking hate yeah, that well, movie though, legit. As you as you should, given how <laughs> that that a marathon of it runs every year. Um... <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. What a movie? Christmas story. A Christmas story. The, oh, the, do you? Yeah. yeah. I hate it. I hate I'm it. I'm glad I brought that up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's my theory. That's my theory yeah. of the cases. I think it probably had a lot to do with the, the parents or the old that generation. It was probably, you know, where, where they were at that point yeah. in their lives. Maybe. I, I would, yeah, I would, I would totally agree. Um, I'm actually, it's so weird to be of that age now where my childhood is now being sort of monetized and, and, and put out back into the popular culture. And you know it's not right. Like, it's not an accurate portrayal of the 90s, wrong. you know what I mean? Like that there's a tick off. It's a, yes, it's just really ramping up the Saved by the Bell mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic and, and not so much the muted browns and greens that were everywhere. <laughs> and I saw a post, someone actually like really nailed that in like some Instagram post or something. But that, that is so funny to me that there was just such like a mauve uh, color template. But the kids had like these radical techno, you know, like uh, neon colors, but that wasn't everywhere. Like there's it's a, like a fucking fever dream when you look as at a, how as a quick, uh, As a quick aside, there's a, there's a hardcore band that gained some traction recently called Turnstile. Um, and they put out this wild record. I mean, it's, it's, it's excellent shit. But it's, it's the only hardcore band that if you see and look into their crowds on a video – where you see like old school hardcore guys in like fucking torn jeans and 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 all that shit, and then kids wearing neon. Dude, <laughs> I I think it was a Death from Above concert I went to, and the same thing, right? It was like a bunch of uh, old punks, and then it was these young guys, but the old guys were moshing. The young kids were terrified, <laughs> wanted no parts of it, and then wanted to fight us for moshing. <laughs> and we were like, and it was, it was so funny. Cause I think it was definitely, but they were playing their first EP, which was from like way long ago in, in its entirety. I'd never gotten to see it. So I was losing my mind. And, um, and they, they were, Oh, they hated every second of it. These, these kids that were in there. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was so wild just to look at that crowd. If you like stood out back at the bar, it was just strange. Um, yeah. Let but me- Charlie Brown Christmas, I think would be a universal, I don't know that there'd be you, you could have neon kids, you could have old heads, you could have everybody neon kids. You know, at, at the man just seated yeah. enjoying this, which yeah. is you know, pretty universal. So there's a simplicity to it, and I think that when we think of nostalgia and when we think of what like a perfect Christmas would be, it's um it's it's laid back, it's mellow, there's not a lot of noise, it's just very mm-hmm. easy. And the music, it's just a trio. So there's not a lot of room for, for yeah. noise. It's just drums, bass, and, and piano. And oh, uh, yeah. uh, 
you know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much noise you can make. And uh, in, in the form- It's the quiet, yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, and somehow, I'm wondering if uh, Vince Guaraldi was tapping into the kind of melancholic uh, Christmas songs of the 50s. He was kind of tapping into that, of the 40s and the 50s, you know, like uh, yeah. I'll Be Home for Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because this is kind of a sad set. It's not uplifting, even like skating. Well, I think Still, what I was seeing it might be that he watched a Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, Charlie Brown Christmas starts with Charlie Brown going, I'm depressed. I know it's Christmas time and everybody should be happy, but I'm not. Oh, like, right. that's, the first, that's the first scene. And, and, and when you think about these old Peanuts, what I've come to notice, because Gabriel loves to watch them, and I have like a deep nostalgia for them, is there's so much dead air. Mm-hmm. in these cartoons oh yeah like and you when you watch the cartoons now i mean there's shit flying all over the place there's zap and boom and back you know it's it's wild it's 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 so loud and chaotic all these new cartoons you watch the charlie brown christmas you it's 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 quiet and there's there's huge 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 spells of of quiet where they're just walking yeah i was gonna say the kid just like walking across um, the, the, so and they're walking for a while do you, do you, <laughs> you think know? that um we are people get depressed because around Christmas because of Charlie Brown. <laughs> wow. Or that is Yikes. like it's just it's just like programmed into us or or he was just tapping into. <laughs> I, I think I think he's he's tapping into the the idea that when we have expectations for happiness, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to meet them. Like if you also, tell somebody you need to be happy now, it's very very difficult to to rise to that occasion. If 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 you tell somebody, um, or if you're down on something, you're like, you know what, this fucking sucks. You could very easily go, yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. But if you tell somebody, from- this is fucking great, aren't you so pumped? It's always gonna be, uh, you know, a, a hair or, or or some shade away from the happiness that you feel like it should be. And also, you know, just along those lines from a modern context, I mean, like with nostalgia comes the 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 sadness that that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, the, the crushing reality. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like it's like with anything, it's like you have joy. The other side is despair. They come hand in hand. You have to feel both. If you don't, you're not experiencing Christmas life. Yeah, or the Christmas. Full, the full um, gamut of emotion that, that, that comes with it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like all those good things. And not to say, like, those things are bad. Like, it's good to feel sadness. It's good to feel that stuff in, in, a, in a controlled sort of way. Um, not as, like, I, don't, I want you fucking something horrible to happen so you can feel that despair. No, it's like, that's why I like to watch sad things, so I can feel those things mm-hmm. safely. Right. Catharsis, yeah. Yeah. By, by definition, for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and I mean, just to go back to Daniel's point, I think largely this really mimics that, not melancholic, but that quiet that I think is really the ideal of this season because so much of, uh, to say, you know, to speak to the the duality of the season, so much of the season is the chaotic madness Mm -hmm. of shopping, preparation, baking, uh, just getting yourself emotionally prepared to see people you haven't seen in a while, things like that. Um, These parties, these, these just sort of like, you know, things on top of things on top of things. But what you really want to do, I, what I really want to do during the season is, is, is sit quietly with my family and, and, and just look at the tree 
yeah. um, and or, reflect. or speak with one another about their um, their day or their hopes for the for the new year. Like that's that's all. Or often, that's my tell ideal. them all all the ways they've disappointed you throughout <laughs> this past year. <laughs> I, got, I got some things to say. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but th- this this record for me really evokes that sitting together cozy comfortably um and and connecting with 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 people you love um and i think it it brings with it you know when you're doing that you're thinking about the people you love that aren't there Mm -hmm. um and so there's that that little bit of maybe melancholic uh tone that that might be underlying it perhaps yeah this, this certainly encourages introspection and um giving yourself a little bit of space i feel Um, it's also why i drape myself in in pop culture (laughs) bric-a-brac because because why makes me feel good and because some things feel kind of lousy around now right um my final thought on the album is uh sort of my original thought anything that gets good jazz into the uh the daily uh, airwaves I'm for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine is, is essentially that. I mean, my two favorite songs on this are far and away the little drummer boy. And then I, I see it as almost one tune right into Linus and Lucy. I love, I love that. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, to, to connect it back to the story, whether Coca-Cola paid for this or not, you know, it'd be like saying that the I have a dream speech is tainted because Bill Cosby paid for the PA system. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that happened, but it doesn't take anything from me away from the, I have a dream speech. Um, And with this, just because Coca-Cola has bought up the holiday. um, I think that art can really supersede consumerism and, and the ugliness of humanity quite a bit. Um, And, just because we know the truth about things doesn't mean that it can taint the things we love. Uh, and so that, that I think for this is my, my final thought on the, the old record. Well said, damn you. Well said. Is <laughs> that your final Franco? thought? <laughs> no, my final thought is uh, I can play uh, Linus and Lucy on the piano. And uh, that's really hey. nice. Hey, hey, hey that, that ain't easy. I need to see that. That's some... I can just do the one hand. I can just do the one hand. I can't do like uh, the... Okay. Well, that's, well, that's the hard part, the syncopation. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm still impressed. I'm still impressed. Nice. Uh, yeah, I guess along with that, my final thought is uh, this album at, and Geraldi's, you know, playing on it reminds me of uh, my grandfather, which is really cool because... Um, he was, you know, he was a jazz pianist, and uh, we had this, we had the the Peanuts songbook um, that I I learned some tunes from as a kid, and I still have it in my collection by the piano, and uh, I can no longer play it the way I used nice. to, but I'm trying to get back to that. But uh, you know, it seemed he was uh, my grandfather was a big. Uh, we talked mentioned earlier he was a big Bill Evans fan, and and I am too. And uh, but he seemed to he seemed to give Geraldi some credit. Like he seemed to like uh, respect what he was doing. And I mean, he was really into Oscar Peterson and all those cats. But um, but yeah, so it reminds me of my grandfather, and it's nice to have that around the holidays. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Vince uh, Guaraldi is definitely uh, in the, the, the category of, like, Bill Evans, but Vince is, like, a little bit more straight, yeah. you know? It's like, he's a guy you would you would call for yeah. your uh, your TV program. Less, you know? uh, yeah. less, less heroin. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. <laughs> He does have some pretty wild sequences there. There's, there's a couple where he's he's breaking away. Uh-huh. Um, I wish I could remember what what tunes they were, but there's at least two where I'm like, all right, Vince, you some get spot, it. Some some spotted you mushrooms know, may have been happening on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, some spotted mushrooms. West Coast style spotted mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I, I love the uh, little fun fact that the children's choir that was used in this sometimes the. Um, recording sessions went late into the night, I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the kids would get just a, a buffet of ice cream. Uh-huh. Uh, to, to keep them, keep it's so them wholesome. Through, Man. Which is also Child labor laws were a little different. They were right drugging the kids up with sugar. <laughs> well, also the cream would like kind of coat your vocal cords and whatnot, I would imagine. So yeah, you'd be, that's, that's not a you'd good, be good idea. You'd be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my final, final, my second final thought is for the love of Christ. Shut, well, this is it's, that's why we're celebrating <laughs> this season. Just kidding. Um, Dave Housley, oh, who is uh, one of my uh, favorite living writers, um, he wrote a thing for Barrel House a few years ago. Well, we'll post a link on one of our pages. Um, it was like twenty-five or thirty years later. It was the adult characters <laughs> thinking back, like having like a. You know what do you, I don't know what the words are. Um, they're looking back at that special that they recorded, and yeah. like like Lucy, the, the adults of the um... like Charlie Brown's an adult. Oh, okay. Lucy's an adult, and like they're like, yeah, we were just a bunch of crazy kids back then. I can't, you know, just like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like um, the children's choir, like those kids. No, no, uh, it's like the actual okay. actors, like the cast. That's fantastic. Because it was a special, you know. They're like, "Hey, we just tapped on our shoulders to do this." Crit- oh god, we didn't know it was gonna, it was gonna blow up, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like when the Brady Bunch. It's oh, like man. when they did that Brady Bunch, that horrible Brady Bunch like reunion special. <laughs> like talking about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta watch these now. Jesus, or oh, I gotta read that one. Yeah. yeah. So That's right, let's, in the in the sake of uh, for the sake of time, let's crack some beers, please. Yes. Yeah. You crack right, beers. So- I'm gonna sip my tea. Yeah. Your Same. virgin hot toddy. Yeah, I've got so, I've got to drive in like five yeah, minutes. Yeah, so. exactly. I've got to Moving. watch my dad hang stuff. <laughs> that's, that's a good reason to drink, right there. Hey, yeah. so uh, yeah, let's jump into the the beer section here. I, uh, as always, will be drinking my celebration by Sierra Nevada. This was for an extraordinarily long time my favorite beer of all time. And I'd always buy extra cases to kind of carry me through to when they would come out again. Um, but now as this tradition for book record beer, I save one from the previous year uh, and consume it on the cast with you all in celebration um, because it is a beautiful and wonderful, wonderful thing uh, to have friends. So I'm glad I have you three as friends. That's really Cheers. nice. I'm really nice. Thank you. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> that sounds so, so authentic. It's so... <laughs> yeah. He's he's looking away off camera, scribbling yeah, great. That's great. I was jot- That's great. I was jotting some notes down, and I realized, I was like, man, this is the most inauthentic... Mm-hmm. That's like a, that's like a <laughs> fucking Happy Holidays postcard right there. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> happy Holidays. Good Good for you. Yeah, with the same emotional depth as the cat, like, the hang in there cat it's poster. Like a, 
postcard from your dentist or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Doc. The ones that look handwritten, but it's just a really expensive font. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as is true every year, uh, this ages so nicely. Um, and I kept it cold even in the move. This was like my, this was like my precious. I kept it in its own little cooler, packed in ice uh, during the whole move, and like made sure it made its way to the back of the fridge immediately. Nice. Um, so this guy uh, held up held up great. Um, really smooth, delicious hop tones. I'm not going to go into any more detail because if you've listened to any of these guests, you know that that's yeah, we what do it tastes it. like. We do it every year. Yeah. Um, I will say the Sicilian is something, if you haven't tried, you absolutely should. Espresso shot with a shot of scotch and a shot of amaretto. And that amaretto just sort of like takes over and mixes with the coffee and then the scotch, you don't taste, but you feel. Mm. And it's just wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. Um, Daniel, why don't you tell us what a hot toddy is? Uh, I think it's just um, tea with whiskey. Oh, That's it. Yeah, I, I thought it was um, right? uh, brandy, actually. Sure. I thought a hot toddy was brandy. I just, yeah, so I actually don't know. I think it's just a spiked tea. I drink my whiskey is. in a glass. Yeah. Well, this, and not right. any fanciness. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. I was drinking hot t- toddies um, uh, during the, the you know, right at the start. Like you said, hot, hot titties. titties. <laughs> I was drinking those hot titties right at the start <laughs> of the goddamn pandemic, and it was wonderful. I was trying all this new new stuff because why wouldn't you? And uh, the hot titty was great. Toddy, toddy. <laughs> tell us what's in um, a hot titty, Nick. Why don't you tell us what about? T- yeah. I think it's self-explanatory. <laughs> you have to drink it out of those mugs from friends. Gregorio, lay it on us. Nobody. Uh, oh. No, oh, I got it. Those those cups look like Ben Stiller breasts. when he's on the show. Yeah. They might as well have nipples on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I drink. Um, I drink this every year. It's Sly Fox's uh, Christmas ale. It's wonderful. It it tastes like Christmas, and I say that every year because it's true. Yep. Um. And I've ha- I had it on tap from Brittingham's right on Germantown mm-hmm. there at, uh, at, a, at a close relative's funeral. And it warmed my spirit uh, many, many years ago uh, around this time. So it was uh, this is a nice treat. Absolutely. It's kind of like the um, that one and the there's three of them. We probably discuss every year, but who the hell cares? Uh, the cheer. Mm-hmm. Right. With the with pecans in it, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's delicious. Uh, and who's that by again? Oh my God, Shinerbach. Shiner. Shiner. The Shiner yeah, cheer. Shiner. Yeah, yeah. And and there used to be, um, Michelob used to have a uh, vanilla bourbon cast ale that was off the charts delicious. I actually want to make, um, what, what's that called when you do a you do a version of it? You like microbrew a version of it? A clone. Um, clone i want to yeah. do a clone there's there's recipes for it because it was like I, I don't know that it was ever really popular but it was so delicious um that there's clone recipes all over the place all over the internet for it um i would really like to do that at some point maybe we could uh do that for a a, a further winter cast that sounds delightful i'm for yeah. i've always wanted to do that yeah i have a rating system wonderful are we ready to get into it that's you all right so, I give the story, which is called 
The Ghost Ships, A Christmas Story by Angela Carter. I give it 10 out of 12 Christmas puddings hurled ashore by the Lord of Misrule. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, I love it. This one That's so good. Christmas um, puddings hurled ashore by the Lord of Misrule. Yeah, that's that's almost poetic, right? That's fucking. I really good. like it. That's my. We just cleaned out this room. I can't find a fucking pen. That's my writing for the day. <laughs> uh, I give the Charlie Brown Christmas album twelve out of twelve Christmas puddings hurled ashore by the Lord of Misrule, and I give any Christmas beverage that you are sharing with your friends and people you care about infinity. It's unrateable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say it that's, that's what I get <laughs> It's unrateable yeah. That was not a virgin hot toddy Don't let him confuse you oh my goodness Well I got a lot of problems with you people And now you're <laughs> going to hear about it um, That's not true um, I'm going to go I'm going to say a, a, a 10 out of 12 Christmas puddings A hurled ashore <laughs> By The Lord of Misrule the Lord of Misrule. There we go. Man, that Sly Fox really <laughs> that hit you hard. Fly fly. <laughs> that Sly Fox really hits you hard. It's what it does. It's what it does. Um, I'm going to give uh, the record. Uh, that's a 12 out of 12. Um, somebody fucking say it for me. Christmas puddings hurled ashore by, by the, the Lord. Lord of Misrule. There we go. And then uh, I'm going to give this Sly Fox Christmas ale um, a 1,000. Out of 12. <laughs> um, 1,000 out of 12. Uh, Christmas pudding hurled ashore by the Lord of Misrule. See that? I got that one because of a you note sure Daniel did. sent in the chat. No, it's interesting. <laughs> I, put it in, I put it in my notes in my phone, and it auto-corrected, capitalized the L and the M in Lord of Misrule. I love that. So it's, that's I my, mean, that's, maybe just because it it's Lord, but I think it, I think it might present. be a thing that we are... Uh, we need to get uh, deeper into Franco. Why don't you? Why don't you give us yours? Yeah, um, I would concur. I would go ten out of twelve lordly hurled puddings, and uh, twelve out of twelve uh, for for ten out of twelve for the story, and uh, yeah, perfect score for uh, uh, Garaldi and his uh, jazz stylings, definitely. And I'll just add, um, you know, I'm also drinking tea, and uh, but this year I, I was I went to a friend's Christmas party uh, who is of Swedish descent and I was able to have some glug while I was there, which is a oh, mulled yeah. wine. What is that? It is a it is a mulled wine that traditionally is made with a you know a Beaujolais and and like a, a port uh, with all different aromatics, so cinnamon, cloves, uh, you know, uh, raisins, almonds, and then brandy as well, and you fire it on the stove to you know get the alcohol burning a little bit and then snuff it and then pour it into glasses and it wow. is just wonderful so i i, I like look it up it's good stuff i like that the recipe I, I like that the recipe is take some booze and then dump some more booze yeah three it. types of booze yeah <laughs> so i'm uh, I, 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 she said she's going to smuggle the recipe because it's like a family secret recipe for this stuff so mm-hmm. hopefully i'll get some and make it oh. but, yeah awesome that would and be that, could, that gave me. I was twelve out of twelve um, on that one. Lordly hurled puddings as well. No. Nice. <laughs> um, good stuff. Yeah. I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to concur. Although I'm going to pump up the story one more. It just I don't know. I I really kind of fell in love with it the more I read it. So eleven out of twelve 
uh, Christmas puddings hurled ashore by the Lord of Misrule for the story uh, of the ghost ships. Um, I'm going to also give a perfect score to uh, Vince and his trio for the Charlie Brown Christmas. 12 out of 12 lordly hurled puddings. Um, and I'm going to give a uh, perfect score for the celebration from last year. It's aged nicely. It tastes delicious. It doesn't remind me of the year. It reminds me of uh, what a, what I'd like it to remind me of, which is all the years previous. And um, I also had something interesting this year. Last week, uh, my father-in-law came down and he brought with him a few jugs of homemade coquito, uh, which mm. is a Puerto Rican Christmas beverage. Uh, and it is very delicious. It is uh, rum, cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, evaporated milk, coconut milk, Ooh. things of that nature, all sort of uh, swirled together. It is, it is the Puerto Rican nog, uh, but not nearly as heavy, um, which I really enjoy. So I always give that a, a 12 out of 12 or a perfect score because it's, it's really delicious. Uh, Coquito, um, oddly, is named after the coqui, which is that tiny frog in Puerto mm. Rico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Coqui, coqui. Um, yeah, excellent. Good stuff. Hey guys, well let's, done. let's do this again. In let's one year. Let's do it again. And I, I I hope to see all of us in person very, very soon. I yes. hope that everybody It seems as if we'll have to home test before we do that kind of thing. But, you know, such as the times. Absolutely. Yeah, especially <laughs> with uh, uh, new humans around. Um, yeah, For sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope everyone listening absolutely... Take some time to enjoy the quiet, to enjoy one another, um, and I wish us the best, and I cannot wait to uh, see us all and talk about the things we love in the new year. God bless us, everyone. There you go. <laughs> yeah, happy holidays, everyone. Um, happy, yes, holidays. happy holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs> what a treat to see Franco again. This is a wonderful tradition. I know. Yeah. Looking yeah, a treat to, to see you guys, hit, too. Hit us, with the, hit us with them socials. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Um, I truly don't know when we'll be back because I have a kid on the way myself. So yes, <laughs> um, congrats, hey. sir. Congrats. Uh, thank you. I was you. waiting for you to drop that this whole time. I'm actually happy. I'm just clapping. Edge that of my finally seat. had sex. I was gonna say I knew, I knew you could do it. Now. <laughs> thank you. It was the thing that I I had to. I really had to to work at when um, when like. Normal couples said like they've been trying to have a baby. Like it means like they're just oh trying to get pregnant. But Nick's actually been trying to have sex. <laughs> First try. Well, the, 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 the fortunate and unfortunate part of it was like, uh, hey, let's have a kid. Bang! Pregnant. And <laughs> it usually starts so, with a bang. That's how it You're right. Yeah, so fortunate and, and unfortunate. nicely done, though. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, but thank you for that. I'm sweating now because of, of that <laughs> joke Reality. that you made, Daniel. Um, anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. I don't know when we'll be back. I'm sure we'll figure it out soon enough. But um, if you want to check us out on social media, please go to facebook.com slash podcast. Go to Twitter at bookrecordbeer and Instagram at book.record.beer. We're streaming pretty much everywhere people stream now. So make sure you tell your friends. And also, if you're like me, you were a, uh, a cryptocurrency billionaire for 30 seconds on Wednesday night. Uh, and that crushing blow is appropriate for the Christmas season. So uh, 
Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Sell, sell.